This is the multi-voice text-to-speech podfic reading of Ididaruf by Reese's Pieces, composed by Burning Aurora. Sirius is bored. He and Remus had gone to the farmer's market this morning, where he selected the most obnoxious bouquet he could find. Roses and anemones and eucalyptus so high and rounded obscured his vision and turned Mooney's ears bright pink when he offered it with a flourish. Then they came home and Sirius made a rich, hearty beef stew to drive the lingering January chill from his loves. Or, okay, maybe his own, non-superheated werewolf, toes. Now they're sitting in the lounge, Sirius's feet in Remus's lap as Remus reads a muggle magazine, and he's not paying any attention to Sirius at all. He lets out a low sigh, and Remus ignores him. He wiggles his feet, the ball of one creeping toward the apex of Mooney's crotch, ready to tease him into hardness so he'll put aside his stupid shiny booklet and fuck Sirius senseless. But no, Mooney catches his foot before it can so much as brush against his cock, his eyes never straying from the page even as a smile tugs at his lips. Sirius throws himself off the Chesterfield with a grunt and circles behind Remus peering over his shoulder to see what's so bloody interesting. It's a nature magazine, with an aerial photo of a lone sled pulled behind a dog team across a thick expanse of snow. On the opposite page, a muggle clad in layers upon layers of clothing, lashes and brows iced over with frost, laughs as a dog licks their cheek. Running the Iditarod Trail, last great race on earth reads the headline. Sirius skims the article, a thousand miles harsh terrain, one out of five musher scratch, and huffs. I could do that. Hem. Remus hums, still engrossed in his article. Sirius nods toward the magazine. I could run that. That race. Remus tilts his head and his brows furrow as Sirius's words finally sink in. Oh. Absolutely. Sirius is certain of it. As a musher. Remus clarifies. No, obviously not as a musher. As Padfoot. Honestly. What else would he mean? Remus laughs so hard he wheezes. Baby, I love you more than anything, and I of all people know you can do the impossible. But you could not run a thousand mile race as a dog. Could too. Sirius is incensed. I became an animagius at fifteen with no mentor. I torment a werewolf as a hobby. Death himself cannot hide from me. Remus raises an eyebrow. You and James worked on the Animagius transformation together, and don't act like Minnie wasn't leaving the two of you hints when you got stuck. Death himself can't hide from you in one very specific location in Scotland, and once again, the Marauder's Map was a group project. Remus rests a long finger under Sirius's jaw and leans up until their mouths are a breath apart, a smile crinkling the corners of his warm brown eyes. And the werewolf, who is also your husband, finds the torment hopelessly endearing. Sirius's eyelashes flutter shut as Remus places a chaste kiss on his lips. He sits back in his seat to read, and Sirius snatches the magazine out of his hand. I'll prove it to you. Friendly wager. You can't run a sled dog race by yourself, love. Of course I won't. You'll come with me. Sirius throws himself across his husband's lap and looks up at him with his very best puppy dog eyes. You have to qualify by completing other races, pads. They don't just let you sign up. Remus has on his stern, professory face, which means he's trying to hide that this is working. We'll confund them. Charm the sled feather light and conjure some pretend dogs to run with me. They'll never know. 
The moon, Remus says weakly. Sirius taps the dates in the kicker of the article. Nope. No full. Free and clear. Sirius. The facade is crumbling, and Remus is going to cave. Sirius just knows it. It'll be fun, Mooney. An adventure or a holiday. Sirius has a brilliant idea. A second honeymoon. Remus snorts. Okay, that one may have been a stretch. Please, moonshine. Sirius wheedles. For me. Oh, Jesus Christ, fine, you absolute nuisance. Sirius grins. If Mooney is using muggle swears, Sirius is really, really getting his way. An evil smirk moves across Remus's face, and he pulls Sirius in for a quick kiss. The dogs have to sleep outside, you know. It'll be nice to have a couple nights respite from your snoring. Sirius scoffs in offense. I do not snore. Remus raises his eyebrows and goes back to his article without a word. It's the first Saturday in March, and the pair are hiding around the back of a dog truck. Because they have a dog truck now. Sirius is for sure keeping this thing when all this is over. It fulfills a dream he didn't even know he had until it came true. A whole truck. Full of dogs. Fun little role reversal we have here. Remus smirks as he cinches a harness over Sirius's ribs. They've practiced this a dozen times, and it's easiest when Sirius transforms with the harness in place. It transfigures with his body anyway, and when Remus tries to lean over him to put it on when he's already in padfoot form, he tends to get a bit sniffy. Remus clips a collar around Sirius's neck and grins wickedly. You know, love, if you wanted to switch roles, you could have just asked. No need to go through all this trouble. Oh, haha. Sirius gives a false laugh as he sticks his fingers through the nearest kennel door. James helped them figure out how to do some reverse transfiguration. The standard spell changes dogs into dustbins, not the other way round, so they have 13 other dogs. They're not the most brilliant team on the trail, what with having rubbish for brains, but they're friendly and utterly devoted to Sirius. You say that like I haven't been your brat since we were 17. Hem, too true. Remus smiles into his kiss. Now help me with these mutts so we aren't late for the ceremonial start. Thirty minutes later, Padfoot sits proudly at the lead of his team. Alphaba is by his side, and when Remus gives the command to run, an exasperated all right as he lets off the brake, they sprint together around the ceremonial start course through downtown Anchorage. Mooney warned him not to run too fast, but Padfoot forgets. There's people. They're all clapping. It's so much fun. There's so many interesting smells. The wind is blowing through his fur. Snow kicks up behind his feet. He's the fastest dog in the world. He carries his tail high with pride, as he should. All too soon, Mooney mutters woe. Behind them, and they come to a stop. Patfoot sits still, panting and wagging his tail when mittened hands rub behind his ears, until Remus can lead him out of sight of the muggles. He laughs softly and his eyes sparkle when Sirius transforms back. Having a good time, love. Sirius runs a hand through his sweat and snow-soaked hair and grins at his husband. Yeah. Yeah, I'm buzzing. I can tell. Remus chuckles. Prancing around for the cameras, tongue hanging out. Maybe don't actually wink next time, love, you'll raise suspicion. Remus has intentionally separated them from the muggles, 
trying to find enough space between teams that he can rely on magic if they need to. Or rely on magic more than they already do with his cozy warming charms, featherlight sled, and magical tent with a three-room flat on the inside that he borrowed from James. Remus casts a hominum revelio and, seeing no one nearby, stops the dogs, takes Padfoot off the line, and signals him to change back. The trail in front of them careens over a cliff, and Remus feels a little sick just thinking about it. He read the whole guidebook, practically memorized it, and thinking about this piece has kept him awake for a month. At least it's early in the trail. They can get the most terrifying bit out of the way at the start. Sirius walks to the edge and whistles as he looks down. Look at that, Mooney. Remus stands beside him, and his stomach jolts. He knew what to expect, but it's one thing to read about it, and another to see it. Along the cliff face, there are three sharp switchbacks cut among the trees that will lead them down to the riverbed below. He takes a deep breath in and out. Well, what do you think? Hover charm. Sirius scoffs. We can't do that, Mooney. It's cheating. Yes, but I'm also not going to let you accidentally throw yourself over the edge of a mountain. We can do it the real way, Moonshine. Ride the brake as hard as you can, and I'll take care of the rest. I promise. Sirius stands on his toes and captures his lips in a soft, cold kiss. Trust me. I do, love. Merlin help me, but I do. He brushes Sirius's sweaty hair back and kisses his forehead. I'm keeping my wand out, though, just in case. Deal. Sirius grins, and a moment later a huge black dog lopes off to take his lead position. Remus clips Padfoot back in place, frees the sled, and holds onto the bar in front of him with white knuckles. Padfoot yips with joy as the front of the team disappears over the ledge. Remus presses the brake as hard as he can, losing a fight against gravity and the enthusiasm of thirteen former rubbish bins and one very enthusiastic animagus. They hurtle down the first step, and Remus has to remind himself to keep his eyes open and his wand held tight. The dogs round the first bend and the sled swings behind them, tipping onto one runner as it whips 180 degrees. The next bit is just as steep. Remus focuses on keeping their sled in the rut cut by the teams ahead of them. The dogs turn again and disappear over the last ridge. Remus's stomach is in his throat as he leans hard to the right to hug himself as close to the wall as he can get and prays to every god he's ever heard of they make it out of this. Then the sled levels out and comes to a stop. His heartbeat hammers in his ears and his sharp pants echo through the frigid air around them as Remus stands frozen in place. Then there's a blur of fur and long black hair and a whoop and Sirius has wiggled himself free of the dog team. He races to the sled and cups Remus's jaw in his hands. We did it, Mooney. He kisses Remus passionately, an ecstatic press of their lips and teeth and tongues for just a moment before he pulls back and grips Remus's biceps. What a rush. He looks beautiful, eyes alight, skin flushed pink with excitement and cold, snowflakes blending with the flecks of gray in his hair. Godric. Remus is so in love with him. Loves him so much he feels like his heart will explode, so much he'll follow him to the literal ends of the earth on an impulsive whim and a tidal wave of overconfidence. He's ridiculous and insane and utterly, undeniably perfect. This entire thing was worth it, just to see his expression as he throws his arms wide and howls his adrenaline at the sky, face full of open, unencumbered joy.
Remus unsticks himself from the sled and throws his arms around his husband, squeezing him tight and snogging him senseless in the bitter Alaskan cold. Padfoot lies on his back next to Remus's knees as Remus traps his feet in bright red booties. His tail swishes happily through the snow, and he offers each paw in turn when Remus moves from one to the next. They're on their way out after a 24-hour rest, and it's the best Remus has felt in days. Another musher, a veteran who Remus thinks is named Mickey Little, stops and watches over his shoulder as he fastens the third Velcro strap closed. You know, I've been doing this for ten years, Mickey remarks, and I have never seen a dog behave so well when getting booties put on. You'd think he was human. Padfoot wags even harder, wiggling his whole body as his tail kicks up snow. Remus laughs and looks at the veteran. Yeah, he's a clever one. Almost too clever, sometimes. Has a bit of an attitude. Likes to talk back. Padfoot growls softly and aims to take a nip of Remus's glove while the other man laughs. Oh, I have several of those. They're often my favorites. The clever ones make the best leaders. They're more fun with a little attitude. Remus grunts a response while he finishes the last booty and sits back on his heels. Padfoot watches the other musher with interest, tongue lolling out of his mouth as Remus scratches beneath his chin and down his chest. The other man squats down at Remus's side. Mind if I pet him? Remus looks around. Is that allowed? Can other mushers touch his dogs? He looks around and doesn't see any race officials. But before he can even nod his assent, Padfoot shoves his head under the man's thick glove. Oh, what a good boy. Such a good dog, aren't you? The musher coos. So clever and handsome. The best boy. Good dog. Padfoot wriggles under his hand and pants up at him, delighted with the attention, until the musher gives Padfoot a final pat on the head and walks away. He and Remus both watch him go, Padfoot with a whine and Remus with a brow arched at the prominent direction between Padfoot's hind legs. Once he's out of earshot, Remus lets out a snicker. It's nice to know, good boy, really does it for you in doggy form, too. Padfoot stands with a humph and raises his leg to pee on Remus's boot, then walks to the front of the team to take his spot by Alphaba. It's their sixth night on the trail, and Padfoot misses his person. They run so much, and Padfoot loves it. He and Ellie lead the team, up and down and over tussocks and ice. Remus is behind him, ages away on the sled, behind Morrigan and Calypso and all the others where Padfoot has to listen close to hear his voice. He looks over his shoulder a lot to make sure he's still there and thinks Padfoot is being a good dog. He is. Remus thinks he's the best dog. Padfoot is proud of himself and his team. But he misses Remus. Remus is busy on the trail, and he doesn't have time to curl up with Padfoot like he would at home. Padfoot and the dogs bed down on straw and rest, while Remus runs around to get them food and water and make sure their feet feel good. He looks tired. Exhausted, even. Padfoot knows the moon is pulling at Remus's bones, can sense the canine coming closer to the surface. And it's cold here. Padfoot likes the cold at home. He has lots of thick fur to keep him warm, and he loves to sniff about in the fields on winter walks around James and Lily's cottage. But the cold here is dry and sharp, and it makes his nose hurt in a way it doesn't at home. Padfoot lays his head on his paws and sighs when Remus walks past, 
watching him with doleful eyes. Remus stops to scritch his ears, then finishes caring for the others. Then he pulls the big bag out of the sled, the one that means he's going to set up the tent, and Padfoot has an idea. He waits until the potter's tent is pitched. Of course the Potter family loved to camp when James was young, then quickly transforms into Sirius and lets himself off the line. He considers the best way to present himself, and changes back into Padfoot to whine outside the tent flap. It unzips in a wave of warm air, the smell of tea, and a curly head of golden hair pop out. Remus smiles at him, and Padfoot's tail thumps against the snow. He loves him so much. Hi, Pads. You cold? Padfoot whines again. You have fur and a jacket, buddy. You'll be fine. Padfoot sneezes, maybe a bit exaggerated, but Remus seems to get the idea. You want inside? Padfoot yips a happy assent and moves toward the opening. Ah, that's against the rules and you know it. No dogs inside. Padfoot growls softly, and Remus's laugh dances in his eyes. This was your idea, you ridiculous sausage. You're the one who insists on following the muggle rules. Padfoot disappears and Sirius crouches in his place. Mooney, he whines. Can't I just come inside this one time? We both know you're questionable on rule enforcement. Remus rolls his eyes and fights down a smile. If I was going to break rules, I probably would have started when I thought we were going to plunge to our deaths on the Happy River Steps. You wouldn't have. Sirius gasps. I'm even more proud of that accomplishment than the record high number of detentions James and I had in sixth year. The Pruitts combined couldn't touch us. You would take that away from me. Of course not now, given it's over and we survived. But at the time, Merlin, yes. Sirius wrinkles his nose. Well, if you're going to be a swat about it, can you at least give me a warming charm? My nose is cold. A smile tugs at the corners of Remus's mouth as he waves his wand. A warm bubble of air settles over the tent and the dog team, and Sirius turns back toward his spot on the line. Then, a quick hand grabs his elbow and pulls him into the cozy living space inside the magical tent. Of course you can sleep with me, you daft mutt. I miss you too. Remus kisses his lips and buries his nose in Sirius's neck. Hem, wet dog, my favorite. It's the middle of the night again. Remus didn't intend on so many night runs, but the last couple days have been just below freezing and the dogs like it colder, and Remus hasn't slept more than a couple hours at a time since the night Sirius joined him in the tent. His head nods down against his chest, the sharp bounce at the bottom jerking him awake. Fuck, he's glad they're in the back half of this race. Merlin and Jafar, and swing behind Ellie and Patfoot, start to bark and howl, and suddenly Remus is fully awake. He squints into the darkness, the light of his headlamp ricocheting wildly across tree trunks, trail markers, and scrub brush. Ahead, just out of reach of the light, Remus thinks he sees a figure lurking. Its arms are long and thin, with a large body and a hunched-over back. It moves with an eerily smooth, even gait, and Remus wonders if he's hallucinating. The figure flickers in and out between trees, disappears around bends, and melts into the shadows. Have they found a Sasquatch along the path? The rule book addresses Moose and Bear, but what's he supposed to do if the dog team gets into a fight with Bigfoot? Godric, they've only gotten away with this much because Sirius's last name, 
and deep pockets keep him out of trouble with the ministry. Killing an endangered magical creature of foreign soil in a muggle dog race, of all things, would surely blow the international statute of secrecy out of the water. Remus clutches his wand tightly in his jacket, ready to stun as their team passes the creature if necessary. He's not great with memory charms, and Sirius shipped his wand to Gnome. Much better for no muggles to see the poor thing at all. If that means stunning it and dragging it off the trail, so be it. His heart races, terrified of what they might come upon, or, even worse, nothing at all and he's losing his mind. Eventually, they get close enough that Remus's light finds the figure consistently, and the dogs pick up speed as they follow its scent. Not a hallucination, then. Finally, just as the sun starts to crest over the mountains, Remus realizes what he's seeing. It's a bloody cross-country skier, hauling a pack. Christ, is there a skiing version of the race? Those poor bastards. The team overtakes the skier, who waves casually at Remus as he slides by, breath puffing out of her mouth in thick white clouds. Merlin, Remus thinks as he flexes his fingers in his gloves, still toasty under his ever-improving warming charms. It could always be worse, couldn't it? Padfoot doesn't like it. The ground feels wrong. It's not ground anymore. It moves when it shouldn't, and he can hear water rushing underneath his feet. There's open sea, and sometimes Remus asks them to run right toward it. He can't tell where he is supposed to go, but running toward the water feels bad. The snow is too bright. It hurts his eyes. Maybe at night it would be easier, when he could just run where Remus's lamp leads them. Remus seems uncomfortable, too, and it's putting Padfoot and all the others on edge. Padfoot whines and looks over his shoulder, and he meets Remus's eyes. Remus calls for them to rest, shouting as loud as he can to be heard over the whipping wind, and presses the brake. The team stops. Remus has barely left the sled before Sirius transforms and takes himself off the line. They meet at the front of the sled's runner, just behind the wheeled dogs Morrigan and Calypso. Sirius is severely underdressed for the cold. Padfoot has more than enough fur to keep him warm under these conditions, and neither of them expected Sirius to have to change back. Remus quickly waves his wand to cast a warming charm around Sirius and pulls him into his arms, enveloping him in twin bubbles of his love. He unzips his jacket and pulls Sirius into his body heat, then magically zips it to close them in together. What's wrong, baby? What's happening in your head? Sirius buries his cold face in Remus's neck and sniffs his runny nose. I'm done. I want to stop. Remus runs his mittened hands over Sirius's back and kisses his forehead as a few frustrated tears leak from Sirius's eyes. He pulls back and cradles Sirius's head in his palm as his eyes track all over Sirius's face. Are you sure? Sirius nods. Remus's mouth tilts down and his brow furrows. It's his new charm's homework face. Are you absolutely positive? Of course Remus is annoyed. Sirius got them into this situation. They're so close to the end, and he wants to quit. Sirius tries to draw away, but they're trapped together in the warmth of Remus's coat and body, and Remus himself isn't ready to let Sirius go. He presses their foreheads together and tightens his grip around Sirius's waist. Because I'll go back and scratch, if that's what you want to do. I won't be disappointed in the least. 
I'm so incredibly proud of you, Sirius, you've worked so, so hard and done so much more than should be possible. If you're ready to be done, I will follow your lead. I just want to take a minute to think, to clear your head and really make sure this is what you want. Once we scratch, there's no changing your mind. Sirius closes his eyes and tries to block out the howling wind and tiny ice particles shredding his cheeks. He could do it. He was sure of it when they started. He even thinks they probably could now. But fuck if he isn't miserable. Is it really worth it, just to say they finished? They had no right to make it this far, really. They didn't do any training and trick their way in with magic, telling themselves it just even the playing field to make up for their lack of experience. He'd been an arrogant sod to even attempt it, and his beloved Mooney was selfless enough to tag along and protect him from his more dangerous impulses. He's proud of what they've accomplished, but the idea of crossing the vast expanse of Norton Sound makes him want to crumble into dust. Yeah, I'm sure. Remus cups his jaw and studies his face, looking so deeply into his eyes it seems like he's attempting legitimacy. But they don't need magic to read each other's thoughts, and Remus would never go poking around in Sirius's without explicit consent. Sirius tries to wear his emotions on his face, to show Remus there's no lies and no regret living in his heart. This is it. This is what he wants. Finally satisfied, Remus nods. All right, baby, we'll go back. He kisses Sirius softly with cold, chapped lips. I love you. I love you so much, Sirius. I love you too. Now change back, you daft mutt. We have a race to quit. The three of them are sitting in the lounge, Sirius stretched across the sofa with his feet in Remus's lap and James staring, rapt, as Sirius tells him of their adventures across the last frontier. Remus marvels at Sirius's storytelling. Padfoot's simplified thoughts and emotions should have blunted the impact, but Sirius more than makes up for it in the way he describes the smells and tastes as a dog. Elphaba leaps up beside him and settles herself in an arc around his head. The rest of the team was returned to their original dustbin state, but Sirius grew quite attached to Ellie over their hundreds of miles together. Remus just couldn't ask him to give her up, so they have a pet dog now. Sirius absently reaches up to scratch under her chin as he talks on. And the community atmosphere is brill, prongs. They're all competitors, of course, but there's such an air of good-natured camaraderie about it. They act like it's them against the elements more than competing against each other. They aren't allowed to help care for each other's teams or anything like that, but still, it's supportive. Everybody loves dogs. Most people are afraid of Padfoot, but not there. I've never been called good boy so much in my life. Remus snorts, and the others turn to him. What? Sirius asks, nudging Remus with his heel in a request for a foot rub. Just thinking about how nice that must have been for you. Remus takes his foot in hand and presses his thumbs into the arch. Mickey Little, in particular, seemed like a favorite. A little scratch behind the ears, a little, good boy, and Padfoot's dear. Oh, and then Mooney thought he was going to have to kill a yeti. Sirius cuts him off digging his free heel into Remus's thigh when he laughs. They do a version of the race where people run, bicycle, or ski it instead, and we came across a skier at nighttime and it scared the shit out of Moons. I could smell it on him all the way up front. I was worried about getting thrown in Azkaban for breaking the international statute of secrecy, you wanker. Remus teases back, 
pinching Sirius lightly on the back of his calf. Oh, secrecy, shmecrecy. Sirius waves a dismissive hand and rolls his eyes. What are they going to do? I could do that. James interrupts. He's frowning deep in thought, with his chin resting on his fist. I could run that race. Stags don't really run the Iditarod, prongs. Sirius says. They just kind of live there. No, not as prongs. James shakes his head. As myself. Bet I could. Remus buries his head in his hands and groans. Finite. Thanks for listening to this text-to-speech podfic composed by Burning Aurora.